The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello, and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast. Coming up this week. Are you dreaming of a pina colada on the beach, basking in the midday sun and trying to work at the same time? Well, loads more people are taking advantage of the workcation and moving country temporarily to work. The latest interest rate figures from the Central Bank have made for sobering reading. Broker Joey Sheehan is on board to tell us what we can do about it. And Denise O'Connor of Optimise Design will be with us later in the show to discuss how to make our living spaces more efficient and future-proofed as our needs change. If you'd like to get in touch with us on the podcast, you can do so by emailing us during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And of course, you'll find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Sinead Ryan 100. I know a lot of you like to get in touch with me there and I'm delighted to hear from you. Uh, I was in Paris for a couple of days, lucky enough to travel over there. And I must say, uh, I didn't meet any riots, people rioting over there about pensions a lot and presumably mortgage interest rates. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. But I did get a chance to go down and I don't know if any of you have ever been to the palace, the Chateau of Versailles. Absolutely magnificent. A job lot of guilt spent down there, gilt and gold and all sorts. Uh, we probably won't take any design tips from Louis the Fourteenth this particular week, but we do have uh, Denise O'Connor in later and I'd be dying to hear her piece on reimagining spaces now that maybe we're all having to go back to the office a little bit more uh, and uh, having to repurpose our rooms back maybe to what they previously were from the office spaces. Uh, and of course, if you're moving abroad and you're not going back to the office at all, you have offices on the beach. Well, we'll be chatting about that too. Uh, it's great to have you along this morning. Do get in touch with us if you'd like, 53106. And you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Now, what's the view from your office window during the week? An industrial estate, concrete buildings, your kitchen table, Or is it a sandy beach, inviting blue sea and the prospect of sipping a sangria when the day is over? We've all been told that work and play don't go together, but more and more of us are taking the plunge and picking up our bags and our laptops and moving abroad while maintaining the day job. But what are workations like in reality? And is it all teams meetings with cocktails on the beach? Well, I'm delighted to be joined by two guests, Blanet O'D, careers reporter at Silicon Republic and Joan Scales, travel writer and journalist both join me now. Blanet, you are very welcome to the show. Let me start with you. Talk to me about your workspace uh, when you aren't in Ireland. Thanks, Sinead. Um, great to be on. Um, yeah, so I'm in Greece at the moment um, and I'm working from uh, a series of Airbnbs. Um, so I left Ireland on the 1st of April and um, I went to an island called Zakynthos, which um, Ryanair does cheap flights from Dublin to uh, Zakynthos. Um, so that's the, the reason I picked there. And um, I worked in an Airbnb for about five days there, and then I moved on to Athens. And I've been and I've I worked from Athens for about a month. So I'm just working from um, like a, a kitchen table, but it's it's in an Airbnb, and it's in it's in um, an area called Kipsley, which is a suburb just outside Athens. And um, it's it's very nice. I can like I I nip out on my my lunch break and I I go for a, a coffee in in Kipsley. 
and um, just you know, like I just walk walk around the, the village and see people walking their dogs and things. But I, I'm in Greece, um, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, you sound it's, like it's you sound like I don't care what I'm doing. I'm in Greece doing it, <laughs> so it's all a bit better. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The weather is lovely as well. Is it? Oh right. Well, I'm delighted you told me that. Um, to- <laughs> why Greece? Was it just a notion you took, or was that? Does it have some resonance for you, or or? What choices did you make around that? Have you be, have you worked in other countries uh, as well? I have. So last year, last November, actually, I went to uh, Palermo in Sicily, um, and a similar reason to to why we picked why I picked Greece. Um, it's myself and a friend doing it, so um, I say we. But um, we um, we just picked places based on the weather, really, and uh, based on like maybe prices, cost of living. Um, so Palermo was extremely um, cheap compared to Ireland, and Greece is a little bit more expensive than Palermo, but it's it's quite cheap as well. And like the weather is fabulous. Well, it's it's not it's not fabulous at the moment, but it's um like it's not thirty degrees or anything, but it's you know fifteen degrees, sixteen degrees, and it's not raining. And yeah. you know I'm I'm from Galway, so <laughs> the rain is. <laughs> right. And tell me, uh, in terms of now finding, OK, so you said your Airbnb and that's fine. And there is an expense to that. How difficult was it to find properties and to kind of book them on a long stay basis? Well, Airbnb does a kind of a, a thing where if you if you book a stay for longer than a month, um, they get, it's, a, it's discounted automatically. Um, I'd say like in, in terms of people thinking about doing a similar kind of workation thing and if, if they wanted to stay for, for for longer than a month I would say maybe just do your research because um, that, that's what I did that's what we did um, you know there's a lot of just make sure that you're not you're not being scammed or you're you know you're that the place that you're in is relatively close to the city centre and it's it's in a safe area a nice mm. area mm. and you shouldn't have too many problems Um yeah, it's a lot cheaper than doing a hotel, basically. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I mean, of yeah. course, you're working for Silicon Republic. So, I mean, one would imagine your employer is exactly the type of employer who'd be delighted with you as long as you're doing your work, you're completing your tasks and projects. They don't care where you are. Um, but how have you found maybe with other people? Because I'm sure you there's an expat community out there or a workation community, <laughs> if we're going to use the lingo, uh, <laughs> that... Are employers more likely now, maybe post-COVID, to, to allow that and to see it as an OK way to, for their workers to, to progress? Well, I think among the, the, the people I've met, a lot of them have been, um, and there was a, a great expat community in Palermo in particular, and we, we had a great time with them. Um, but I think a lot of them were working, yeah, for IT and tech companies as well. Um, and like I work for Silicon Republic, as I said, and, and, you know, they're, they're great. Um, they're very, very flexible as long as I get um, as long as I get my work mm, done. Mm. And actually, like I, I, I am careers reporter, so I write a lot about working remotely and um, sort of you know you know that kind of subject as well. Which is it, it's interesting that I can do it too, and um, that I could actually meet people who are doing it as well. Um, you're yeah, wa- you're walking cool. the walk, as they say. All right. Well, listen, Blanard, uh stay with us just for the moment. I'm going to turn now to Joan Scales, who's in studio. And we're not in Greece, Joan. No, no, of course we're not. But do you know what, Blanard? 
The weather's lovely here today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's good. That's so good. We, we have lovely sunshine. We've had three days of actually nice <laughs> we'll, weather. We'll, we'll so. take our consolations where we can get it. Yeah, now, Joe, um, COVID has definitely changed for a lot of people. The way they definitely. work, when they work, Absolutely. how they work, what days they work, all that kind of thing. And the work, but the workation, that whole idea, um, couldn't really happen without the change in technology as well. No, definitely not. And um, the, the workcation, I love that word. You know, the Americans always come up with a great word. It's working <laughs> and vacation. So doing both at the same time. And there's actually a company now who's doing that, who will organise it all for you. Really? Oh, called workcation.com. So they're, they're only in the early days. They've only got about eight locations in Europe at the moment. But the whole point is definitely this would not have happened without technology, yeah. with the way technology has changed, with the access to Wi-Fi and broadband. Um, if we didn't have that, people wouldn't be able to do this. And so a lot of young people have really grasped this with both hands mm. as an opportunity. Mm. And I think as well, the most important I think for companies, it's very difficult at the moment to work out what they should be doing with people. I know people are being told to come back on site now, wherever they work. It could be one or two days a week. It could be one or two days a month, giving you the opportunity to maybe to be somewhere else. I have heard of companies, I've heard of people being sacked for not being in the country they're meant yeah. to be in, you know, so it's... Or that Zoom's filter of a beach isn't a Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think some, some, yeah. some people have right. walked themselves into it. So you do have to be careful about planning. Yeah, you still have sure to be careful. You're meant knows. to be in certain yeah. places, certain times. And there's also um, a responsibility on employers uh, for from health and safety and security aspect of yeah. as well. But that said... Why not try it? If they're on board with it. If the they're on board with now, it. Now, talk to me a little bit about the countries. Now, we were talking there about Greece and Blano does in Palermo in southern Italy. They both sound like fabulous locations to me. They You've been do. doing a little bit of research about the most popular places for yeah. the workcation. They are. Well, look, the most popular is the ones that I know from talking to people. And this week there was a survey done by that company, workcation.com, and another company, uh, home to go which is very similar to Airbnb. Same kind of accommodation agency. So they picked the top five mm. um Places. Tell us, bring and somewhere The nice. top lives are the ones that I would have picked myself. They're Porto, Barcelona, um, Lisbon, of course, Amsterdam and Dublin, funny enough. How would you go away, Dublin? Honestly, Dublin Who's is in the top five of places for a workation. I know. Really? Yeah, really. Okay, and well, let's I, I think part, no, but why I think Dublin is, is, has really come to the fore in this is, I mean, we do have a great name as a place for a bit of fun, a bit of crack. And it's easy to... Young tech community. We have a huge tech community. That's it. And there's been a big rise, a really big rise. I've been writing about this for the last few years. Big rise in condos in Dublin. So we have a huge amount of these condo buildings. Most of them will be Stay City. And then we have yeah. the new... They're um, not unlike kind of big student accommodation where yeah, you can all get together. Yeah, in student and, accommodation, right. exactly. Right, enough for Dublin. Right, Dublin. Let's, go, let's go on now, to one Moving of the on, ones. definitely Spain is huge and it's yeah. no surprise. And I hear from my colleagues in Barcelona that uh, Barcelona has done really well because for years Barcelona's bursting at the seams with tourists. And so during COVID, the prices went down. There wasn't as many any tourists. So there's more availability of accommodation. So that's why Barcelona would be up there. Now, Lisbon and Portugal 
um, and Porto. Porto's got really popular in recent years. I haven't been. Lisbon is such a fabulous city. I love Lisbon. Porto's oh on my, my God, list. I love it's it. Easy to navigate. It's easy. Everybody it, speaks English. It, they do. Yeah. They do. And there's loads of access. There's loads of air access. But the big thing about Portugal and those areas and people have been heading, of course, down south, right down to, you know, places like Albufeira and Faro and along that coast. Uh, the cost of living is tiny. Yeah, you know, in comparison to here, you can go out and you can have your morning coffee and your pastel donata for four euros or three euros even. And like I even heard of one Irish marketing company of a small team and a lot of them are young people and they decamped, the whole team decamped down to Portugal during COVID and they worked from there. Their clients didn't need to know where they were and their cost of living was half yeah. what it was in Dublin. Yeah. So no, the money went further. And, and, and it's also so popular as a, yeah. as a, a ho- uh, kind of holiday destination. OK, now the Canary Islands you had on that list as well. Of course, the, that's weather, isn't it? The really? weather, yeah. The, well, the Canary Islands did really well and is doing really well with this workcation, workcationers, as I was calling them, <laughs> because of the weather. I mean, and it's very good value. I, mean, I was there recently. I was down in... Um, Gran Canaria and El Hierro, very good value, it really is. Blanet mentioned there uh, about the long stay discounts and the fact that you can uh, you can actually get really good value. Uh, yeah, so you can. What would you recommend in that regard? Well, uh, certainly you have to be, she's right. One thing she said that I would really emphasise to people is that you have to be super careful if you go off grid. And by off grid, I mean going, not going to Airbnb, making your own private arrangements. There's an awful lot of scammers out there. Mm. And we see it here in Ireland every year when it comes to September, dozens of students are scammed out of money. So be super careful. But I would recommend to go with an agency, you know, at an established place, Airbnb, Homeless Days, Home to Go, uh, Holiday Rentals. And, and, and do you be- find that a lot of hosts are prepared to offer discounts? They do. And I'll tell you, you'd be looking at, I know certainly I've had a look at this, you'd be looking at discounts of 40 to 50% if you go for over a month. Wow. So it is worthwhile. Because it saves them having to, to relet it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you something, homeowners who are renting obviously love a long-term rental yeah. because then you're not worried about turning over a place, cleaning beds, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, definitely. And oh, yeah, so stick, I would say stick to the rental agencies. Do it properly because they take verification from people. Now, sometimes people slip through the cracks and I know scams can happen, but less likely. Blonde, let me come back to you um, for the moment, Blonde D from Silicon Republic. Um, In terms of, and I know we have to be a little bit careful about how long you stay abroad because there are kind of tax implications, legal implications. Uh, You know, do you know what the rules are around that? And of course, visa implications for certain places. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I do know. I, I, I did look up the uh, the tax rules. I think it's it's so. I'm I'm pretty sure that Ireland is not in the Schengen zone, and um, that that we're that, not, that allows you. Mm. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, for for tax reasons, you, you can't stay any longer than I think it's ninety days um, in any in any place at at one time. But uh, and. I mean, I know that you need you need visas if you go to the US and things, but um, personally, I wouldn't go to the US because I have to work um, to the time zone in Ireland. So, I mean, for me, I have to kind of stay within sort of Europe, and that's that's okay for yeah, me as well. Of course, I, I, that's the other thing which I hadn't really occurred to me. If you're going way outside your time zone, you're work day is going to be different. You're getting up maybe earlier or working later, depending on, on where it is. Um, were there any other 
disadvantages, Blanet. Um, don't don't just say no immediately. <laughs> I'm trying to. Think. I'm hoping there is at least one or two, but or maybe things that you would say to people before you go. Here's a, here's what I would have done differently. Yeah, um, there yeah there are disadvantages. I mean, there are disadvantages to everything. Um, one that pops up um, in my mind immediately is like internet. You have to be really really careful about how good how good the internet is going to be you just like i mean yeah sometimes with airbnbs we have been caught out a little bit they say that the internet is is good but it's it's not as good as we hoped or it's not as good for maybe like three three people using laptops constantly throughout the day Mm. so that's that's definitely a factor um that you need to be careful about um so I'd say if you are going to a place, just research how, you know, the general download speeds, upload speeds, things like that in, in, in the area. Okay, um, yeah, because the beach sounds very nice. But at the end of the day, if you can't link up to a, a Wi-Fi tower, there's no point in you being there and you'll end up in a hotel room somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, it's not, I mean, it's not all about working from the beach either, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, um, you do have to get some work done. Um, do you find <laughs> that other countries that you've visited and that you've worked in, Blonnet, have these kind of work hubs, you know, like the WeWork and, and those, have they come back on stream after COVID? And are they a good option to, to maybe live over there, but work in one of these hubs where you meet like-minded people? Yeah, definitely, and I know that I know that Dublin has has a good few of those of those kind of working hubs. And um, and Joan mentioned that, that Dublin came top of that survey, which I'm quite <laughs> surprised by because the prices the prices there are absolutely astronomical. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, yeah, there are there. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, remote working hubs, uh, certainly in bigger cities like Berlin and and Paris and and London. Um, I haven't seen that many um, where I've been, but uh, I would use them if mm. if if they were there. And would you recommend generally, uh, you've linked in with some expat communities and of course you're interviewing people all the time, but would you recommend that that you do find groups of like-minded people that you can have those conversations with about where is the pharmacy and do you have a dentist and all that kind of thing? Um, I, you know, and, and I presume a lo- there's a loneliness thing about it as well. If you're working on your own, certainly if you're self-employed, you, you have to manage that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm I'm quite lucky. I've got I've got uh, two friends who also work remotely, and they're doing the same thing with me. But I mean, yeah, if 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 they weren't there, but even if, if when they are there, I mean, we we like to go out and meet other people, and um, like yeah, expat communities are 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 great for that. You can you can I mean, Facebook is quite good, but not a lot not a lot of people use Facebook anymore. But oh, they're quite it's quite good for those kind of fixed you know groups and yeah I mean like yeah things like questions like the dentist or like where's the nicest cafes or something you know yeah. you can throw those all into the into the chat and right. it's, it's great. Okay it is great and it sounds great and it sounds like you're having a fabulous time and uh, we're only a tiny <laughs> bit jealous of you there Blanis. Um Now Joan <laughs> let me come back to you briefly then um, so a lot of things to think about there in terms of overstaying your welcome you know, health insurance, health insurance. So Europe possibly then would seem to sound like the best bet because Europe is probably a best bet because the one thing we have in Europe is free movement of people and goods if you have a European passport. And so Europe, yes, and the costs are much better. And the estate, as Blonde said, is expensive and you need all kinds of Mm. authorizations. And if you overstay your visa, they'll ban you for 10 years. So be super careful about that. And I would say to anyone 
get your European health insurance card as well. Yes, very important. And if you're looking to meet people, there's a great international organisation called meetup.com and they've groups all over the world in cities everywhere. Blonde, you might look them up in Athens and they're groups yeah. of like-minded people. It's not a commercial organisation but it's where people might get together to go for coffee, go for a meal, go dancing, go for a hike, go for an adventure. So it's a great way of meeting people when yeah, you're abroad. it's not all about the work. I mean, you put in a day's work but just like at home here, you want You've to go out and go to the cinema. Oh, you have or to have a social life. Friends and all that. So it's it's kind of good uh, good to do that. All right. Anything else, uh, Joan? We should be mindful of. Uh, if you were doing it yourself, where would you pick? Oh, I'd pick somewhere in Spain. Of course, I love Spain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love Sitges. Absolutely okay. love Sitges. So uh, yeah. That's, and that's it's very good. accessible because you can be home in a couple of hours. Really. It's, well, it, it's only less than an hour from Barcelona Airport. It has the most gorgeous beaches. Yeah. And of course, some of those work hubs. And just to add to that, there's work hubs out on Inishmore and on Aranmore and the, all the Irish islands have super fast broadband if anybody didn't want to go too far away. Right. Or didn't want the, the nice weather. OK. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it's beautiful out there. Uh, so finally, Blanard, what's your what's your plans for the future? Are you staying put in Greece or have you have you plans to travel uh, elsewhere? Oh, well, I'm going to go home to Ireland for a while, maybe for, for June. And then I might go off to uh, Berlin as well. I'm thinking maybe a bigger city like, yeah. So Ber- Berlin is, is what the one we're, we're planning for next. All right, fantastic. So looking forward to that. Well, I wish you the very best of luck on that. It sounds Thank like you. an adventure and uh, might encourage other people to go. And if you are one of those people, well, then why don't you get in touch with us and let us know where you would like uh, to have your workcation uh, and decamp to if you could uh, move out of the office or whatever workplace you have. Uh, 53106 if you want to text us, that's for 30 cent. And the home show at newstalk.com. My thanks to Blanard O'Dee, career reporter at Silicon Republic and of course Joan Scales, travel writer and journalist for joining us today. You're listening to The Home Show podcast here on Newstalk. Now, if you were listening before the break, you would have heard our great item on the workcation. Um, and I know it is something that is a dream for very, very many people, being able to take your work, move abroad and enjoy the little bit of sunshine while you're looking out on the beach. If it is your thing, do listen back to that. It's up on the News Talk website, powered by Go Loud, under The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. And if you have any suggestions or have taken a workcation or are currently abroad on a workcation, well, then please do let us know. Send a picture if you feel the need. Uh, It'll certainly make us all jealous. Now, we are on to more practical matters now. If you're a mortgage holder or somebody looking to get on the property ladder, the latest interest rate figures from the central bank will likely have made for some sobering reading. The average interest rates are up uh, on a new mortgage around 3.54%. Uh, and, and that's really up quite a lot since this time last year. So what are the options available to people and what is about to happen next? Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Joey Sheehan, uh, author of The Mortgage Coach. Uh, Joey, you're very welcome to the studio. Thank you for making uh, the trip up from um, from Cork. We, we, we don't normally think you leave that often to go anywhere. And <laughs> Why would you? Thanks, Sinead. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me in. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about what's happened to date because most of the banks, indeed none of the banks, jumped for the first or second or in some cases third mortgage interest rate increase when they were announced. So some of them may be waiting to see who blinked first, but also because they were getting their money from elsewhere and 
they didn't have to increase rates. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this time last year, the ECB was at 0%. Today, the ECB is at 3.75%. So that's almost a 4% increase. The average uh, borrower last year was paying, we'll say, in the region of, we'll say, 2 to 3%. This year, it's probably in the region of 35 to 45 So that's an increase of about 1.5% mm. uh, against the almost 4% by the ECB. So the ECB borrowing for the banks makes up a portion of their cost of funding. But what also makes up a large part of it is the money they have on deposit. So um, they're paying less money to depositors, uh, I suppose, to, to the benefit of, of borrowers, but to the detriment of, of yeah, they're depositors. Stu- they're stuffing depositors because when you think about it, there's what, 140 billion sitting on deposit uh, in in accounts all over the country. You know, it's not all in retail banks, but, but it is savings that people are worried about spending or maybe they're very elderly and they don't want to spend it or they're saving for a mortgage deposit and they can't do anything with it. And the banks are screwing them over because they are not passing on the interest. They are hoovering up uh, by leaving that on deposit. Is that really unfair to savers? Um, you could argue, yes. Uh, when when European rates were previously where they are today, depositors could be commanding anywhere between 3 and 4% uh, interest. So I suppose it depends what camp you're in. If you're a borrower, you're, you're happy. If you're a depositor, you're not. A lot of people would have borrowings and depositing. So I suppose a, a, as a whole, if you look at it as one big basket, it's probably balancing out for the banks. So, you know, if they move rates for borrowers, then they can pay depositors more. So, I don't know, is this a lesser of two evils? Uh, maybe not if you're a depositor. Indeed, indeed. Now, of course, one cohort of mortgage borrower uh, didn't get the luxury of that because these are the tracker customers and it's built into their contract, isn't it, that the rates have to go up. When the rates go up, your mortgage has to go up at the same time. Uh, so, we were always told, and anyone of a certain vintage will remember the fell on the bus standing up and saying, I don't know what a tracker mortgage is. I think everybody now knows what a tracker mortgage is, Joey. Uh, is there a tipping point now where we're thinking the unthinkable, that maybe you should ditch the tracker? Well, based on a mortgage amount, which the average, according to the Central Bank, is about 224000 with 15 years at a rate of 1.15% over ECB, that borrower is paying almost 5000 a year extra every year based on the increase from last year, from 0% to 3.75. So it's a case-by-case basis. Everybody wants to pay less interest. But if you're today at the pin of your collar, if you're if you're on the line, can I afford this, can I not, and you can't take any more increases, there will be more increases. So I would say that, you know, you want to pay less, but if, if you're going to maybe fall into arrears, if rates go any higher, then certainly you need to be looking at fixing. Yeah, and that is a concern for the banks, isn't it? Um, because they are also at this tipping point. Whereas if they increase the rates too much, they've no choice on the trackers, but if they increase other rates too much, you will have people who would have been coping just about up to now who may start defaulting on their rates. And that poses a different issue altogether for them because that's the bank's problem, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's everyone's problem. But, um, you know, the higher rates are, the more defaults there will be. That's that's simple maths. Um, but today, you know, many people... ECB uh, tracker holders are paying anywhere between four and a half to five and a half percent right now today with your own same bank or with other banks we we have rates as low as 3.25 if somebody was to switch lender which could be one and a half to two percent saving today immediately so uh, and that's that's not even factoring in any further ECB rate increases which we could see another half to one percent. 
Yeah. Now, I'm, I know what people are thinking out there. They're having their coffee. They're going for a walk. They're sitting in bed and they're thinking the hassle. The hassle yeah. is the word that I can't be bothered. Yeah. So, Joey, give us the rundown. Well, th- how long will it take and yeah. how hard is that to do, switching your mortgage from one bank this to another? This baffles me, Sinead, and we spoke before, I think I've used this example before, but I've seen people cancelling their Sky Sports. They might be an avid rugby or soccer or GA fan, maybe not paying for the GA Go 12 euro to watch <laughs> a match, but they won't switch their mortgage. And they could save a mortgage is the biggest investment in most people's lives. And I cannot understand why people don't review it. Well, you know why? Because cancelling the sky is a phone call and cl- changing your mortgage is a big deal. Well, you only need to do it every few years. Look at it every three, three years or so. And it's worth it. If you're saving hundreds of euros a month, thousands in a year, tens of thousands over the life of a mortgage, it's a no brainer. You know, get up off the beach, whoever's working remotely listening to this <laughs> and get the paperwork into us at my mortgage and we, we'll see what we can do for you. Right. Okay. So you would say do look at it. And even if you're a tracker holder and you're paying over four and a half, five percent, you can do better. Everybody needs to look at it. We might tell you stay where you are, stay with the same bank, move to a different bank. But it's a phone call. It's a phone call to us. We can tell you in two minutes, can we do something or not? Is it viable? You can make the decision then ultimately, but make the phone call, contact us immediately. Yeah. And of course, people who are switching are kind of not quite pre-approved, but they're in a good position because usually they have a better loan to value ratio, they have a bit of equity in their house because they've been paying off their mortgage. Uh, and that's attractive to banks, isn't it? Yeah, so the lower the loan to value, the less risk for the bank. So if you're under 60%, uh, we can get a three-year fixed of 3.25% for one particular bank today. Okay. That, that could be saving 1% to 2% for people. Now, for first-time buyers, and I know this is a worry because I'm getting a lot of them asking me about this into my Irish independent column, and it's about people who have got approval in principle which lasts, what, about six months. They've picked out their house. They know what they want to buy. They're getting ready to draw down their funds. And then the bank comes in and says, hold on a second, you're working in the tech sector. You know, we're a little bit worried about some aspects of the economy or jobs. And we want you to give us all that information all over again and make sure that that we can still give you this loan. How big an issue is that? Yeah, it's a big issue. So, in the industry, some banks issue what we call soft AIPs, soft approvals. Yeah. So you can go online with some banks and literally in five minutes time have an approval. That, while in principle, you know, in theory, once everything is in order and your savings accounts and your bank statements and all the information you've input is accurate, it can, can deliver to a full approval. But on the other hand, it's not worth the paper it's written on. So I'd actually urge, right. urge auctioneers to take, take a caution as well for borrowers who are presenting these approvals that may not be f- followed through on by the banks. So what I would say is that some of the banks will stand over their approvals and they don't reassess regardless of your circumstances or your employer's circumstances or announcements in, in various mm. industries. So some banks, if you get approval today, it'll last for six months. If you go sale agreed within that time and we move to loan offer before that six months expires, the loan offer will last for a further six months. So potentially we have up to 12 months of certainty. Now, some banks do reassess when you go sale agreed before the loan offer and potentially even before drawdown again. So just wow. be, be cautious okay. with those banks. It's something people don't realise. Yeah, and it is it is a concern because, I mean, you've done all the other things, you've stacked up everything and, you know, they can suddenly turn around maybe and go, actually, we're not now comfortable with this level of risk. Uh, in terms then of people, there was a, a court case uh, just a week or so ago um, about, now this was a case in arrears where the mortgage had been moved to a vulture fund and they were forced to reduce the rate uh, for the for the payout of the mortgage under under a personal insolvency arrangement, 
But for other people who got moved to, say, servicing companies or these equity funds, uh, because they were in an arrears book in the bank, whether it was Ulster Bank or KBC or any of the others, just shoveled them over to get rid of them. A lot of them are finding now they're paying way over the odds because they're the banks, they're the lenders without the big deposit books and they're charging, what, four, five, six percent maybe. Any advice for those people? Yeah, so many people have ended up with a vulture fund just because of the bank they were with is exiting the market. They were never in arrears. They were never close to arrears. They were not in financial pressure. No, they never were. But some of these funds don't offer fixed rates. So people, we've seen rates as high as seven, seven and a half percent, I think was, was one wow, recently. that's extraordinary. And yeah, so that person, we're in the process of switching them to another bank. We'll, we'll be getting somewhere around three and a half to four percent. So we'll be literally having their rate, which could be the difference of a few thousand for every hundred thousand they owe. And can everybody have that option if they're in one of these funds or are they kind of protectionist about some of the business? Yeah, so anybody can, um, as I say, review your mortgage and switch if there's a better offer. Obviously, you need to meet the lending criteria, mm. um, you know, but if you're up to date on your mortgage, the chances are you will. Okay. So, uh, yeah, give us a call and we'll be able to tell you again. Good. All right. And then finally, uh, Joey Sheehan, just to ask you for people maybe on the other end of the scale, they have money in those savings accounts. It's sitting there. Inflation is eating into it. They're not earning any interest. Is there an argument now with rising interest rates to make overpayments on your mortgage and maybe clear that debt a little bit faster? Yeah, we would always recommend overpayments if you have the capacity. Uh, I gave an example last week that if you paid an extra €100 Euro a month um, for on a 35-year mortgage with uh, 300000 owing at a rate of, I think it was 4%, you could knock four or five years off your mortgage. So we would always advocate for, for overpayment. Uh, or, or, you know, you could look at investing it as well if you had... Um, surplus funds, but obviously there's a risk attached to that. Yeah, once it's gone, it's gone, isn't that it? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, listen, Joey Sheehan, um, thanks a million for bringing us up to date on that market, which is, of course, fluid, fast moving. Stay awake, folks. There'll be another interest rate increase along anytime soon. Joey, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, mymortgages.ie. Um, give us a shout there and we'll, we'll be one of our advisors will be able to help you. Brilliant. All right. And you're on Twitter and all the other things as well. All right. Well, listen, it's great to have you uh, up uh, from Cork into the studio here and uh, we're delighted you're able to join us today. Thank you, Sinead. We are always talking about houses and homes on this show. And of course, uh, this segment is no different. But when it comes to organising our home and our living spaces, it really is a very fluid exercise over the years. I mean, we mightn't have one house for all of our lives, but we do want it to do different things. And you might go from having an Insta aesthetic office into immediately needing kind of nursery, maybe, or um, looking at different rooms in different ways. And who better to help us navigate this space than Denise O'Connor of Optimised Design. Denise, you're very welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Sinead. Now, um, many rooms in the home will start out life as one thing. Yeah. Maybe if you bought new or you kind of bought from somebody else's purpose and you look, have a look and you think, oh gosh, do you know what? That kitchen's in the wrong place or that room is perfect for a work from home office and there's a big bed stuck in it. So um, in terms of steps that we can take, maybe a little bit like a future proofing so we're not yeah. constantly reimagining mm-hmm. uh, space. You have some tips and hints and hacks that can get us on that path um, to do it. So in terms of as much flexibility as possible. You see, I always think if you've lots of little rooms, 
you can use them for different things. But everybody wants the big open plan spaces now, don't they? Yeah, open plan, you know, it's funny. They they are that sort of Marmite space. Some people absolutely love them, others not so keen. And I think it's because it's easy to make mistakes when you're planning them. Um, you know, they can be noisy, they can be cluttered. So really have to take a step back and think about you know, how are you going to use the space? What is it for? So usually you've got a living area, a dining space and a kitchen. So kitchens are noisy. Um, and especially if you've got lots of family, you know, if there's a lot of people using the space. So thinking about things like the kinds of appliances you put in, believe it or not, there are quiet dishwashers, you know, going for something like a hot water tap that avoids the kettle boiling, which can be really noisy if someone's trying to watch telly or have a conversation, that sort of thing. OK, so that's quite a, kind of simple tip. We all like the old cooker taps, don't we? Yeah, well, expensive. They're expensive, but they do save money. So they're a lot more um, cost effective than boiling a kettle. Boiling a kettle is pretty expensive, actually. So they do save money in the long run and they're just so convenient. Like they really are. They're a great investment. And Kuker is one, you know, that's sort of the top end of the market. There are lots of different versions that are much more affordable for people. So in terms then of clearing workspaces, because I'm conscious that a lot of us are doubling up, you know, certainly we don't mention the C word, but for those two missing years, you know, the kitchen table became the office table. Uh, So even within one room, what kind of things can you do to kind of create that? Because it's not just about a table and a chair. It's about getting your head into the space. It really is. And I think that's what we learned over those two years was it was about much more than just having the right space and the right chair, as you say, or the right table or it looking fabulous. Um, you know, it was about being able to shut off when you were finished at the end of the day, being able to switch off, have time with your family, forget about work, put it behind you. So what we've done quite successfully is is use like built in storage. So maybe it's in alcoves, either, either side of a fireplace where you can, you know, open up the doors as a desk and lots of storage inside. You maybe even have a little chair that tucks in. And then at night when you want to watch the TV, you just close over the doors and forget about everything. But everything you need for work is there, safe, ready the next day. So you don't have that set up time the next morning when you go to sit down and, and start working. And how difficult is that to do, like to retrofit into an existing Alcove. I think it's it's about looking for unused spaces, underutilised spaces. Like it's funny that there's so often we would go out to houses and people say, gosh, you know, we just don't have the space. This is what I want to do. But maybe there's an old bookshelf that's stuck in a corner or in an alcove or something that really isn't serving much of a purpose. It's only hoarding things for people mm. that they don't really want. So by simply clearing that out and thinking, well, look, that's the ideal spot to build in something or create a little space to sit down and work or for the kids to do homework. Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how these spaces exist, <laughs> but we just don't see them. You know. Now, when we go upstairs yeah. and we're looking at different bedrooms and, and I know that I had one of, you know, these little box rooms. I mean, yeah. to be honest now, yeah. it wouldn't hold enough that you'd need for, say, a proper child's bedroom. Sure. But I had a cot in there when the baby, one of the babies was small and mm-hmm. it was fine. But that's when I needed an office then when she moved into her big bed. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it was just a case of clearing out the cot and getting in a table. Yeah. But I'm sure I could have done lots of nice things. For a start, I had a wardrobe, a built-in wardrobe, which was completely redundant. Yes. And that's the thing. So that that's the interesting thing. In some cases... The built-in storage works beautifully, like in an open plan space. That's actually a terrific investment. 
in other rooms where they may evolve over time, like you're describing from a nursery to a home office to maybe a workout space or even a laundry room, you know, overflow linen cupboard or place where you want to do the ironing. Building in things is probably not a great idea. So something freestanding that you could, you know, disassemble and easily get rid of or even reuse in another room is probably a better investment in a space like that. It seems kind of odd moving laundry upstairs for me now, you know, yeah, because you, know, you kind of think of it in the kitchen, don't I you? I know, you really and, do. And sometimes maybe that is the right thing to do and it wouldn't occur to you. To Absolutely. Well, I actually did it myself. It was funny, my my little son, so when he moved out of the box room, I turned it into a laundry room because I found all the laundry was piling up upstairs. It was impossible to get anybody to bring it down but me. So, that, and that's where the ironing board lived and I was able to free up so much space downstairs by, by just doing that. And it was a great use of that room for many years. Yeah, because I mean, when you're doing the ironing, I'm mean, unless you're wedded to the thing, which I'm not, no. I'll be honest with you. I tried for <laughs> as little turn as possible. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate of folding yes. <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, you know, you're using the ironing board and maybe the laundry basket or whatever in the hot press, yeah. maybe once or twice a week, you know, exactly. and yeah. it seems it seems strange if there's another purpose that you could use that space for. Yeah. I'm speaking with Denise uh, O'Connor of Optimised Design on all the repurposing of rooms that you can do if you want to get in touch with us today on The Home Show. It's 53106 on text for 30 cent or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Um, so Denise, in terms of then, because I know you're a big fan and indeed we have to do a lot of retrofitting and energy yeah. saving and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. The attic where you have one, whether you mm-hmm. have a kind mm-hmm. of a pitched roof or, a, or not, mm-hmm. it is an unused space. It's yes. the old suitcases, yeah. it's yeah. boxes of photographs, it's the Christmas decorations. Yeah. For somebody who doesn't have the luxury of converting that into a room, mm-hmm. what would be your suggestions for that, you know, unused space? Um, well, I think first of all, make sure it's properly insulated because believe it or not, that is where all the heat is escaping through through the attic space. And it's it's the one thing that's very easily done. It is not that expensive to do. And it does make instant difference to your the hat home. on the house. The hat on the house, say. exactly. So it's a really worthwhile investment. So that would be the first thing to check. And even if you, you know, you do have insulation, sometimes over time that may have deteriorated. It might be performing as well if it's very, very old. So get it checked out. So that would be the first thing to Are, do. Is that like talking about rolling down like yes. fiberglass? Yeah, or, yeah. How it, like, is that expensive or? It really isn't. Okay. Um, it can be done very inexpensively. Obviously, it just depends on the size of the attic. Yeah, if you have yeah. a vast attic. And would you put boards over it then? or? Well, you absolutely could okay. then. So you could floor it out and we would have many clients who do that with simple plywood boards mm. and then just get yourself, make sure you've got good access. That's the thing. So a really good, like those... Um, the trap door with the, the ladders. trap door with the ladder. <laughs> and then some of those are pretty scary actually. So make sure yeah. it's good, it's easy to operate and it's easy to access. And then, you know, you have, as you say, you've got tons of space up there for storing things. So, mm. yeah, And if you clear out one room, which could be useful somewhere else in the house yeah. and turf everything up there, because I mean, honestly, if you're only accessing it two or three or four times a year for whatever reason, yeah. 
um, it's it's probably a good idea. Absolutely. And then that that's a really good point. You know, think about what you're putting up there, because what you do want to do is just put a lot of stuff up there you don't <laughs> probably down. don't yeah. need, you yeah. know. So um, you, could you get rid of things? Could you free up even more space by by getting rid of things? So, yeah, you know, clearing out periodically is a really good idea. Mm. Okay, right. Super. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Any other um, suggestions you can make now for the more open plan spaces that we have? Because a lot of us, we have this, um, you know, lots of people have this kitchen and dining area and maybe a seating area there that, you know, it's very difficult to separate out, really. Yeah, no, it really can be. I think it's it's sort of thinking about how do you create different zones? So there's a number of ways to do that. So you can do that with, with rugs. Rugs are a great way to define spaces. Also brilliant for deadening sound. So if noise is an issue in those spaces. Lighting is another really important consideration, um, especially in the evening time. So you mightn't want to light the whole space. That can feel really uncomfortable if you're trying to wind down. So having different lamps, you know, different light sources, maybe you just want to light the seat area and you might have nice ambient lighting in the kitchen, lovely pendant light over the dining table. So really think about lighting. Again, that's a really easy one to to do. You can just add a few lamps and totally transform the atmosphere. And how do you stand on room dividers? Um, Like there are very clever ways. You can put up one of those, you know, like, I don't know, those Chinese silk screens maybe, but but also even just a bookcase or... Exactly. So some freestanding furniture, if you've got the space. Yeah. That's the thing. So you need plenty of room, make sure you can move around. But sometimes some open shelving can look fabulous. Um, And again, you know, if you can get shelving with lighting in it to act as a room divider, that you could have light up glass or, you know, ornaments or something that you have in there, that can be a really attractive feature and a nice way just to screen off the space between, say, the living area and the kitchen. Okay. Well, you have some great... um, ideas and reels on your Instagram pages, yes. several pages. Give give us, uh, remind us of your Instagram account. So we've two, it's at Optimise Home, where there's loads of reels. There's also loads of um, live Q&As, that sort of thing. And then at Optimise Design as well. All right. OK, Brilliant. Denise O'Connor of Optimise Design. Um, thank you very much for joining us on The Home Show today. And we'll see you next time around. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks, Sinead. And that's all we have time for on the Home Show podcast, this latest episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for being with us. And of course, we will be along with the next episode next week. But of course, you can listen to the show on the radio at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning on News Talk. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at eight. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.